All Around the West, Episode 21, Northwest Lighthouses. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the AllAroundTheWest.com podcast. One of the things that Sue really wanted to do as we made our Northwest trip last year was to visit lighthouses. And so we took the opportunity to visit the nine historic lighthouses in Oregon, along with another one just north of the border into Washington. And so this episode is all about lighthouses, and we're going to tell you about a bunch of different ones that we went to. And I'll tell you what, they, are, they were a lot of fun. So different in many ways, beautiful uh, scenery to see, a variety of other things to see, uh, historic, and it was a lot of fun to go see those. So I hope you enjoy this episode and that you will visit lighthouses when you get the chance in the northwest part of our country. So as part of our trip down the northwest coast in Washington and Oregon, we visited a bunch of lighthouses. Sue had always had a dream of visiting and seeing lighthouses, so we took that opportunity to visit actually uh, 10 lighthouses. Some of them we, we didn't actually get to go in, but we saw from afar. Well, 12 altogether, if you oh, count. Oh, 12? Yeah. Nine in Oregon and three in Washington. Oh, what are the three in Washington? So when we were at Cape Flattery, we saw the Cape Flattery Lighthouse that's right off the coast on Tatouche Island. So you can just see it from the Cape Flattery Overlook. And then we were when we were on the Columbia River, mm. we saw the Cape Disappointment Lighthouse. We didn't walk right over by it, but we saw it. And then we went to the North Head Lighthouse. That's the one we went up inside. Right, yeah. That, that's Okay, so you're right. We saw... Three in Washington. So the Cape Disappointment Lighthouse, you uh, have to hike a little bit to get to from the visitor center there the, in the, right. the state park. The Lewis and Clark Visitor Center. Right. Yeah. So we didn't go over to that, but we have a, a great picture uh, if you go to allaroundthewest.com of that lighthouse. You can see that. And it was uh, built, the Cape Disappointment Lighthouse was built in 1856 to help the ships with the approach to the Columbia River. And it turned out that they couldn't see the light until they had almost reached the river and it just didn't help them like they, like they were expecting. And so they complained long and loudly and that resulted in the building of the North Head Lighthouse. The mouth of the Columbia River there is known as the graveyard of the Pacific because it's a very rocky coast and uh, storms, ships were often lost there. So that improved sight line of seeing, being able to see North Head a little north of Cape Disappointment, being able to see them both was uh, great for ships. They were able to be saved quite a bit. And the, the, um, the distance between these lighthouses isn't very far. It's only a couple miles. And because of that, and I didn't really realize this, I never really thought about it, but the lighthouses have different signatures. And they really needed them to be distinct when they were so close together. And the signature being two things. One was how the light 
uh, flashed and the color. Sometimes they had different colors. And as it circled around, it would uh, have a particular time that it would take to go all the way around. Uh, and they would, depending on how the, the lens was oriented or the, the glass, it would flash different ways. And then the color of the lighthouse and the painting on it was another way that there was a signature that they could tell visually if, if it was light enough. Uh, where they were by using the the color of the lighthouse. So the tower would have stripes or right. uh, stripes vertical, stripes horizontal. That's why different lighthouses are also uh, what's the word distinctive because right. that identifies to a ship out at sea exactly who doesn't have GPS right exactly which lighthouse they're at. So the North Head Lighthouse is maintained, the actual structure is maintained by Washington State Parks right now, but the Coast Guard maintains the light because it's still a working lighthouse. Right, yeah. So they allow, because of this partnership, they allow people to go up and go inside and be able to go on tours of the light. So that's what we did, and it was quite interesting. This lighthouse was built uh, in 1898, and it has a 65-foot tower because it's up on a high cliff, the light's about 190 feet above sea level. So we were able to go up inside, and this was our first visit inside of a lighthouse. So only a few people can go up at once, and so there was a, a volunteer guide, and he was giving us the talk, and we were so polite to just stand there and watch. And we listen. didn't take listen, we didn't take any pictures, and then it was... He was done, and he radioed down to his wife, okay, we're sending these people down, and we're like, hey, wait, we want to take pictures. And so we kind of mucked up the whole system because then he radioed down to his wife, oh, you have to wait. These people want to take pictures. And so we learned that when you are up in a lighthouse and you're getting the tour, they're running you through pretty quick because only a few people can go up at a time, and you have, everybody has to wait for you to come down. So. Word take to, the pictures. You word to the wise. Take the pictures while you can, while you're up inside the lighthouse. So a couple of interesting things about this lighthouse. One is that the original lens, the first order lens, which has to do with its size and its focal length, is now on display at the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center there at the State Park. And, at uh, Cape Disappointment. Cape Disappointment. And the other, the fourth order lens, is actually at a museum in Astoria, Oregon. Uh, one other... Very interesting thing, or two other very interesting things about this lighthouse is, one, it's one of the windiest places in the United States. Frequently, they have wind velocities at over 100 miles an hour, and they've actually clocked winds at 126 miles an hour before the instruments blew away. <laughs> uh, another interesting thing was that uh, in 1932, a wild duck came crashing through uh, the the glass and one of the storm panes on the lantern room at the top and caused a little bit of damage to the lens. And so later they put wire nets around the lantern rooms there and at other stations to prevent that from happening. So I don't know <laughs> if he got caught up in those 100 miles an hour winds and was just completely out of control or what, but he came crashing into the, into the, the lighthouse. So that is North Head Lighthouse. Southwest Washington in Cape Disappointment State Park. And from there, we headed south over into Oregon. And what was the next lighthouse we went to? The next one that we saw was Tillamook Rock Lighthouse. And that is a lighthouse that you can't actually go to. It's on a little basalt islet off the coast. 
Uh, if you go to Ecola State Park, then that's where you get the best views. You can stand there on the coast. There's two or three places with some views that you can look out to, to Tillamook Rock. It has uh, a 62-foot tower. And it so was not very high. No, not very high, but it stands 133 feet above sea level because, again, the towers are built on some kind of a tall promontory. So even though the tower isn't quite as tall, right, the ground's high. Yeah. So it was nicknamed Terrible Tilly because this islet was ha had such exposure to the wind and fierce storm waves and stuff. But it's an older lighthouse. And it was built um, active from 1881 to 1957. So it was an early one and then was in use for a long time. Now it's uh, it's not in use. It's just, you can just see it. So it's, it was in use for something else for a period of time. Yes. Uh, there was a group that bought it uh, with intent of making it a place to inter remains of people who had passed away and uh at one point they um had uh, i think they had run out of money or something and anyway they didn't get their license renewed or whatever so none of that they didn't put any more um remains out there <laughs> and it's just that's what it is now it's it's not an active use so when i saw that lighthouse i thought how in the world did they build something out there it's just on this little piece of Rock, rock out there in the middle. So it's kind of an interesting story behind that. Uh, there was a man named John Trewavis, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, who um, was actually, sorry, it was H.S. Wheeler who had gone out there to see if it was feasible to put a lighthouse out there. And it took him a long time to even to be able to land there heavy seas and, and the, you know, the waves and everything prevented him from doing that. And I, I thought when I read about that, I thought, well, why would you even think then that if you could barely get a, get onto the island of first time to even see if it's feasible to put a lighthouse there, why would you think that it would be after that? So after looking around though, he said, yeah, we can do this. Of course, he wasn't the one that did it, but uh, he decided that it would be feasible. Um, locals felt it was too difficult and too um, it would be impossible to put something there. So they couldn't hire those people to do that. They had to get other people from out of the area to come in and work on it because they didn't realize it. Uh, they, they uh, at one point, there when they had put the crew aboard, uh, sorry, not aboard, but ashore to, to start the work, uh, they realized there wasn't shelter, and uh, it was just really difficult for them to to survive there. Uh, they eventually there was in 1880 there was a huge nor'easter that they called it struck there even in, in those in the west with same kind of characteristics I guess, and pounded them, pounded them, pounded them. It it swept away the storehouse with their tools and provisions, the water tank, the the line that they used to get supplies back and forth, the roof of the black house shop. And the men just hunkered down in their shelter that they had, waiting it out. And it took about uh, 16, 17 days, I think, before they finally were able to get uh, new provisions out to them. So safe, safe to say that the construction of that lighthouse was extremely difficult and in the end didn't prove to be a place where they could keep things up because it... It wasn't a place anybody wanted to be stationed. Let's put it that way, right? <laughs> it, it wasn't a it wasn't a choice assignment to be assigned to the Tillamook Lighthouse. 
Well, one of the interesting things too that you learn as you as uh, that we learned as we've studied and read and went through some of the tours and stuff is that it really took a special kind of person, a special kind of family to be assigned to be a lighthouse keeper because it was a lonely life. They were usually stationed there with a keeper and an assistant and depending on where they were, they were far away from town. Some places were a little closer to town. You could get in to town to get supplies, but some some of them, like the Tillamook, they're not going in over to the mainland all the time. Right, and the family didn't live with them there. They were on the mainland. Right, so, yeah, very difficult lifestyle. They, they typically had an assignment of three months there and then a couple weeks off, uh, so they would rotate. Um, but it became very difficult. It was such a trying and difficult assignment that they uh, became angry with one another frequently and they were known to, at dinner time, instead of talking to one another, they would pass notes rather than actually speak to one another. And sometimes when they showed some mental instability, they'd get them off the rock because uh, they just, it, it, you couldn't survive out there, right? If you had yeah. those kind of things. I mean, you couldn't take care of the lighthouse. I often wondered if maybe some might have just decided to fake it just to, so they could get <laughs> off into another assignment. Okay, I'm going to act kind of kind of crazy so I can get another assignment. Anyway, this was a this was an interesting lighthouse, very difficult assignment and one that you can't go to but you can have a great view of it from the state the uh, Ecola State Park. So, 10 miles farther on down the coast is the Cape Mears Lighthouse, which is located at Cape Mears State Scenic Viewpoint, and it's the shortest lighthouse on the Oregon coast. It's only 38 feet tall, but because it's on this huge high cliff, it's 217 feet above sea level. And it was active from 1890 to 1963. So quite a long period of time it was an active lighthouse. The parking lot for the viewpoint is up. You drive in, it's kind of up higher above the lighthouse. And so we hiked kind of down a short wooded trail to the light. They give, uh, there's a little gift shop there. They give tours with volunteers that take you up into the lighthouse. Uh, it's no longer in service, but there is a first order Fresnel lens there inside the lighthouse. So that was really cool to see. It's red and white. So that was, that was awesome and fun. And then the other interesting thing about that viewpoint is that there's all kinds of wildlife all over there. Mm -hmm. There's uh, giant sea stacks that are just right off the, the viewpoint covered with birds and just beautiful. So they had also had a lot of problems as, as this fell into disrepair over the years and, and it hadn't really been claimed for restoration and everything. A lot of problem with vandals uh, breaking in and and uh, breaking the the panes of glass on the lens and, and that type of thing. And one of the lens, one of the bullseyes from the the uh, one of the lenses was actually recovered in a drug raid in Portland, Oregon, in 1984. <laughs> so it made its way around. Somebody thought they needed to have that, I guess, and decided to take it and keep it. So yeah, so that was the Cape Mears Lighthouse. And right. Uh... It's there in that same park, same state park. Uh, we walked up a, a different trail, kind of a little wooded trail, back up from the light, and we went to see the octopus tree, which is kind of a famous the tree. It's an Oregon heritage tree. It's estimated to be about 250 to 300 years old, 
And what it is, is a, it's a Sitka spruce that doesn't have any central trunk. Instead, it has limbs that spread horizontally and then curve upwards. And scientists have lots of uh, theories why it's done this, but they, they don't know. They don't know why this tree is like that, but it looks like an octopus because it's got this main body with all these arms. And so it's a famous... Thing, the octopus tree. Yeah, you got to go at. see it. I, I read someplace that uh, there was a thought that Native Americans may have done something to make it grow like that. That's, yeah. But, yeah, they don't really know. One of the theories. So, yep. Yep. Okay, that was Cape Mears. As we head on down the coast, we actually went to Yaquina Bay Lighthouse next, which is a little further south than Yaquina Head because... The Yaquina Bay Lighthouse had uh, tours that day. The Yaquina Head did not have tours on the day that we were there. So we went a little further south and then backtracked. So Yaquina Bay uh, Lighthouse. And this one was quite different than some of the others, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, it is different because it's, instead of being uh, what you kind of would normally imagine, the tower with a little tiny building next to it, instead, it's a lightkeeper's house with a little tiny yeah. tower right on top. A clapboard so, style. Yeah, clapboard style house, two stories set right on a little promontory, looks out over the water, and then just up in the very top is just the little top part of a lighthouse with the, uh, the windows. And so you climb up there. It's the second oldest lighthouse on the Oregon coast. And the tower, if you pretend that the tower goes up through the middle of the house it's 42 feet high and because of the promontory it's 161 feet above sea level and um it's a, it was in service from 1871 to 1874 so even though it's the second oldest on the coast it was only in service just for those three years very short time but convenient for the family because the the lighthouse is right inside the tower some of them the lighthouse keepers home was quite far away from the actual lighthouse. And so they had to walk way over to the lighthouse to, to work every day and come back. But tower's just right up in your attic. And uh, at 1906, the U.S. Life Saving Service had a, a crew quartered there. And later it was merged with the Revenue Cutter Service to form the U.S. Coast Guard, who built a steel observation tower on that property. So we could go on it. We went on a tour of the house. You can't go up inside the tower itself, but uh, we toured the house. There's some period furnishings mm -hmm. in there. So it looks like, you know, it's decorated like the time period. They had some volunteers and uh, it was beautiful to look out the yeah, it's a great view. front bedroom out to the ocean. Most of these lighthouses have great views. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so this is actually, this lighthouse is the only existing wooden lighthouse in Oregon. Did you know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> and it's the oldest structure in Newport. And as, as I was just kind of researching about the lighthouses we had visited, what I was struck with was how many of them have uh, ghost stories associated with them. A number of them are thought to be haunted and some of the associated um, buildings where the, the light keepers stayed uh, are thought to be haunted. In fact, we'll talk about one in a bit where you can stay the night and it's thought to be haunted and many guests have seen <laughs> manifestations of that. This one has a lot of ghost stories that, that are associated with it. Interesting. So we, uh, the next day we, 
went to Yaquina Head Lighthouse, which uh, is one that you can walk up to, take photos. You can't go up inside of it. They don't do tours. They don't do tours at all? Mm. I was thinking they did tours, but not in the day we were there. Oh, was that? I don't, I don't remember so. for sure. Oh, maybe. Maybe that so that maybe so that was another thing that we learned <laughs> is that all the lighthouses have all kinds of wonky days and hours. So it it was really difficult to be able to get to them all. Plus, we did some other things each day as we were driving down the coast. But you can't you have to kind of plan because mm-hmm. some of them were only open one day a week or they only did tours a couple times a week. and It was only for three or four hours in a day. And that's because they're manned by volunteers. So understandable, you have to get volunteers to have a schedule and to come and volunteer, you know, to be your guides. So, um, so I guess I don't know for sure if they well, did. I know we didn't go up in a tour. Right. That's we'll, what I do know. I'll have links to all these in the show notes, allaroundthewest.com slash podcast 21. And you can find, uh, Find information out about each of these. And this one's still in service. I think that's why I... Oh, that's what that could be. Why you can't... Why there weren't tours, but I could be wrong. So, so it was built in 1873, and it's still in service. It's the tallest on the Oregon coast. And it's actually... Uh, I thought that's where... Yeah, that's where the where Cabo Beach is. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. Right, so so it's this one is inside a natural preserve. Right, this is on a, a little bit of a, a jut that sticks out, and uh, if you go around the the ocean side of the of the lighthouse, one of the larger uh, nesting areas or or gathering areas of common mers, which looks something like penguin bird combination thing. They're black and white. Yeah, black and white are there. And when we were there, and I'll have some pictures, there were just thousands of yeah. them just covering the rocks there. So um, noisy, and it was that was really kind of spectacular to see that. Uh, a lot of fun to, to do that. Uh, and then, yes, as you go back um, out of the lighthouse area and down in, in another part of the park there, there's a set of tide pools that we went to. And you can see the lighthouse from there, and that was pretty cool too. And it's a it's a natural preserve. I think it's by the Forest Service. I don't remember who ran it, so. uh, but they had a, a volunteer there, or a, a somebody, a guide, who had um, uh, photos. We, yeah, of kind of display. You what know, you'd see. What you'd see, so you could identify them, and you can crawl over the rocks and you know look at all the things in the tide pools, and and we saw uh, some. Uh, seals also in that area. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So that we was saw neat. Lots Quite, and lots, lots of, of seals. seals. Yeah. yeah. Didn't think we were there. Didn't think we were seeing them. And all of a sudden we realized what what we were missing, what we weren't quite seeing. And then we saw them all over the place. Yeah. So this is another one that has some uh, ghost stories associated with it. There's a, there's a story which apparently was unsubstantiated by any records, but that when they were building this, there was a, this was built with brick and there was a hollow area between two brick uh, walls going up. And there was a rumor that somebody had fallen down in besi- inside there and then later had become a ghost. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the records don't show that anybody had died in the, the creation of this lighthouse. Um, but I thought this was cool the way it's out there in that little peninsula, a little jut of the land. And, and it's a, it's a great, uh, spectacular view. Uh, so that definitely worth going to. 
Okay, so I'm seeing from my notes that it's not open on Wednesdays. Oh, that's what that it was. That was why we so, bypassed it, because we were going to be there on a Wednesday. So it is so, open other days. Yeah, it is open other days. Okay. So we bypassed it so we could get to Quinta Bay, which was open on a Wednesday. That was the day we were there, so we wanted to get to it. And Yeah, so yeah. actually the BLM um, runs the, the station and the area, the natural area around it. And uh, for a while, they had not allowed visitors to climb in the tower, but friends of the Aquina Lighthouses had worked toward preserving it and everything else. So now, again, you can do that. Great. Okay. that we was. didn't get to. No, we didn't get to that one. Aquina Head. Although, even if you can't go up in it, it the view is spectacular, and it'd be really cool to walk there, see the MERS, see the, 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 tide, uh, the tidal pools there at Cobble Beach. Yeah, Cobble Beach is really fun. Yeah, that's, yeah. that was, that was a highlight. Those tidal pools were awesome. Yeah, they we were. We saw all kinds of, uh, yeah. Sea anemones and cucumber, sea cucumbers and all kinds of stuff in the tile pools. That was really cool. We had a great time there. I don't know if this next one was my favorite, but it was definitely one of them. I mean, a lot of them. So this next one we went to was which one? Hesita Head, yeah. which is probably the most famous one. It's probably the one that you've seen pictures of the most. It's the probably the... I guess the poster child one, the, the more famous one. So it's said that when God created the earth, he spent a little extra time on the Oregon coast. And it's as if he personally selected the location for Hesse to Head Lighthouse. It's magical. <laughs> <laughs> it is beautiful. It has um, a 56-foot tower that sits 205 feet above sea level. It's been in service from 1894 to the present, and it has an automated automated beacon and it's the strongest light on the oregon coast it can be seen 21 miles out to sea um it has a flashing white and red light and because uh of how we did our tour we didn't get there in time to be able to go on a tour they do do tours but like I said earlier, we were also doing other things besides lighthouses while we were on the coast. So we were stopping other places in between lighthouses. So by the time we got there, it was going to be too late to do a tour. We knew that, but we decided to sacrifice that in order to be able to do some other things on the coast. So, But we wanted to see it because I, by then I was obsessed and wanted a picture of myself with every lighthouse. So, And we have those. We, so, which we did. So we got there and it was just... Uh, getting to be dusk, dusk. Yeah. and so it turned out actually to be a really awesome trip there it was really fun because that's the only lighthouse that we actually saw at night or in the when it was almost dark so we hiked there's kind of a little hike to get to it there's trees all right behind it and we got to see the light going going and so that was that was really fun it was we just sat there there were a bunch of other benches, people yeah. yeah there were benches we sat there we looked out to sea we looked at the lighthouse it was just really fun and then when as after we left we drove down the coast and we kept look, stopping on pullouts and looking back and we could see the lighthouse going and that was that was really cool so you need to see at least one lighthouse at night that's actually right. that's still working because that was really fun so and what's interesting, a couple things are interesting. Uh, when when this was built, this lighthouse, you mentioned all the trees around. When it was built, there was no vegetation there. 
uh, a fire had come through a few years earlier and just you know had demolished just uh, demolished everything and burnt everything and when they built it there was no no vegetation there at all and now it's covered with vegetation yeah the whole hillside so, is covered with trees yeah. behind it so that's interesting um and then another, this is also, wasn't, wasn't this a place where you could uh, stay the night? Yeah. The yeah. Forest Service runs a B&B in the Lighthouse Keeper's right. home. So if you want to stay there at a Lighthouse Keeper's home, it's a beautiful spot. That would be a really fun uh, getaway place. So it says, uh, though the Lighthouse Tower itself is not haunted, there have been stories around for years about strange unexplained occurrences at the Hesita Head, which is where you can rent and, and stay overnight. Um, many residents of the duplex since the 1950s have reported unusual incidents, and Rue, the name of the ghost, can be quite pleasant, known for sweeping up glass and exchanging a silk stocking for rat poison. So there are a lot of unexplained things that happen in that place. So, so there you go. Maybe you really want to do a getaway there and go see if you can see something unexplained. I think uh, if I remember right, uh, it uh, run you, oh, uh, $300 a night or so for that uh, to stay there. So it's it's not cheap, but uh, there's but once several. once in a lifetime experience. Once in a lifetime experience, yeah. Okay. So that so, was Hesed to Head. Hesed to Head. So day three of our lighthouse quest, as we moved uh, north to south uh, along the Oregon coast, began with the Umpqua River Lighthouse. And this is actually the second lighthouse that was built on this site. The first one was built in 1857, and was that was the first lighthouse on the Oregon coast. But the sand under the foundation eroded, and the lighthouse fell into the river. In 1861, and so the current lighthouse. Before you go to that current lighthouse, oh. so while they were removed, they so they they were getting worried that it was going to collapse and fall into the river. And you know the lens is kind of expensive. You got to order it from France. You got to take right. so long to get there. So they uh, were decided to to remove it. And while they were in the process of dismantling, the, they did that. And get, but getting while they were taking down the Iron Lantern Room, the tower began to shake and sway. The men dropped the work, fled for their lives, and just with minutes to spare, the the, the lighthouse came crashing down. Yikes. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of a that was a just <laughs> saved in the nick of time. Wow. Okay, go on to the new one then. Um, so the current lighthouse was built uh, and has been in service since from 1894 to the present. So it's a working lighthouse still. It's almost identical to Hesed Ahead. Except, oh, so I got it backwards. Okay, so Hesed Ahead is only a white light. But Umpqua yeah. River is almost identical looking, like the lighthouse is painted almost identically to um, Hesed Ahead, except that it has uh, a red and white flash. So the that's, again, that signature that Scott was talking about. So that then they would be able to see, though the lighthouses look the same, they flash differently. So it has a 65-foot tower, and it's 165 feet above sea level because just across the road, uh, you can you can see there's an overlook, and you can see out to the ocean. And the Coast Guard maintains the light and because it's a working light, but 
the volunteers, the association, they do the tours up inside the lighthouse. And I believe, isn't this the one where we were able to climb up the little ladder and kind of stick our head yeah. almost up in it? Yes, that's yeah. was, this was awesome. Yeah. We, so you get a great picture from inside the lens to see what it looks like. And yeah, that was pretty neat. Yeah. The Coast Guard, there's a adjacent was, yeah. Coast Guard building that has a museum. So we went in the museum, looked around there about the history of the area and the Coast Guard. And then we went on the tour up inside the lighthouse. And that was a, it was a great tour. They were not in any big hurry. Our Very tour guide, Dave, knew tons of stuff. So he, Dave, if you're out there, great tour. Good job, dude. You were awesome. Um, he, yeah, he had tons of information. He was not in a big hurry. He wasn't rushing us through. Let us take lots of pictures, told us all kinds of fascinating facts. It was just, it was super fun. So we went up there and then, um, because the original stairs are still in place and because it's a working light, we were stopped just below the light room. Um, so we couldn't go up in there, but one at a time, he allowed us to go halfway up the ladder and just stick our heads up inside the light, up into the light room. And it was so cool because, like Scott said, the so it's it's a working light. So the light's on. It's, it's turning. turning around. Yeah. It's the panes of glass are red and white alternating. So when you when you stand in the very with your head in the very middle and crane your head back so you're looking straight up, then you're looking straight up into this. It just looks like a kaleidoscope, because um, <laughs> I just turned my head up and Scott said you can't hear me. Um, so you look up and you can just see the red and white panes of glass all uh, going out from the center. And the lights turning. So I just, I did. I felt like I was just inside a kaleidoscope. It was so mm -hmm. awesome. And then they have a cool, they they have a picture that they have on a postcard that you can buy. But he said, so put get your camera right in there in the middle and you can take a picture just like our cool picture. And yeah, it really is awesome. When we were there, we were with this other little um, family, a couple and their mom, so the couple were old, you know, middle-aged and then the mom was older and she was tired and she Didn't was, go yeah, up. she was game. Yeah. She'd gone up all those stairs. We made it up there. And then there was this little iron ladder, you know, to go up there. And she was like, I'm not going up there. And we had already climbed up and we were like, oh, you need to. And I said, yes, you need to go up there. You need to just put your head in. We'll all hold you and help you. And so we helped her so she could poke her head up in there. And she was like, yeah, that's really great. So we helped this lady get to see this really cool view. That was fun. And I don't remember if it was this lighthouse, but, you know, all these lighthouses are, are perched on very prominent locations so they can be seen from the sea, right? Right. Uh, the other thing that it gives you is a great view of the sea. So they provide great viewpoints for doing whale watching and seeing some of the other, you know, wildlife that's out there. And I don't remember if it was this one, but yes. some of them, it was this one, wasn't yeah. it? There's, because it's like a working Coast Guard station right. area, kind of, uh -huh. there was like a road right yeah. in front of it. And so we crossed the road and that was the... Yeah, like, the display and yeah. things about watching the for the Right the on whales. the coast. Yep. Yeah. And they said that... Um, Volunteers were there. Gray and... whales and humpbacks go a couple of times a year right along there. Yeah, and... you can see them. So. Yeah. And they have volunteers who are helping to spot them and show you. 
So it's a great place to go for that. They look for the same ones to go right. back and forth every year. Yep. The same whales. And yeah. Really cool. Yeah, that was a fun place. Okay. That was Umpqua River. Uh-huh. Next one is Cape Arago. Yes. Is that how you say that? Uh-huh. Okay. So, so again, this is another one that you can't tour and you can't go in. You can only go to an overlook and see it across the way. It's on an islet. It's owned by several Native American tribes. And so... Um, you can only just see it across the way. The tower. So th- at least for now. Now, yeah. as I as I read, the agreement with the Native American tribes said that they would need to provide uh, opportunities to visit it, visit it. But there's some work that has to be done to allow that to happen. That hasn't happened yet. So I think eventually you'll be able to go see it again. in the future. Yeah, yeah. There you, you go. Can't now. Because it's on an islet, there'll have to be some kind of ferry. Bridge or road or yeah, something. That takes you over. And there used to be so, one there. I mean, right. there, there's pictures. You can see the the, the remains of some of that. So the tower is 44 feet high, and it stands 100 feet above sea level. It's the newest light on the Oregon coast uh, because it was first illuminated in 1934. However, there were lights that were built on that site in 1866 and then another one in 1908, and both of those were destroyed by weather and erosion. So it's interesting. These lighthouses have to be built out in a spot where they can be seen, and but they're subjected to such Harsh horrific conditions, yeah. Yeah, weather yeah. conditions that they don't always last. So that's interesting. So you can see that from them. There's some overlooks you can pull off of Highway 101 and get some great pictures yeah. of it. Some and great shots. Yeah. So this is a this is a fun one to look at. Can't go to, but definitely worth taking that few minutes to pull off the road and take some pictures. Yeah. So number eight is the Coquille River Lighthouse, and it's uh, in Bandon. And this is a different lighthouse than the other ones that we've all been uh, talking about. This is a 40-foot tower light that's a stationary harbor light that protected ships from a dangerous bar there on the river uh, in it was in use from 1896 to 1939. The others on the coast are turning danger lights because they're turning, flashing. That means that they're danger. But this one is a stationary harbor light, meaning it was on all the time to say there's a there's a bar, right a dangerous here. bar here. Be careful. Um, so we had a personal tour up to the via volunteer up to the top. The stairs aren't original. There's no light in the tower. But the building looks the same on the outside. And it was fun to go up in. The view is really cool. And the guide gave us a great lunch recommendation. Yeah. And so we went over to Bandon and had lunch at the Bandon Fish Fish Market. Fresh fish market, but then they cook the fish there. And I'm not a big fish person, but this was awesome. We had cod, Pacific cod fish and chips. Best fish and chips we had the whole trip. Yeah, it, they so were good. they were so good. And, and a really good chowder that they yeah. had, too. It was awesome. And they also said, then go to the, what was the place we went for the ice cream? I forgot to look that up. I'll have it in the show notes. But there was an oh. ice cream place there in town, too, that had these huge scoops of ice cream. Yeah. It's unbelievably a, big. Oh, and they also the had. Yeah, it's a factory. Yeah, I'll have the show notes there. And I'm sorry, I can't remember right now. But definitely uh, want to go into town and have lunch at the Bandon Fish Market and then get um, get uh, some ice cream, some dessert over at this other place. And I'll have it in the show notes. I cannot remember. I'm drawing a blank. Sorry, I can't 
Well, you go ahead. I'll look it up. Okay. So uh, it was. This was also a fun little place because it's right there on the kind of down going towards the jetty out. Uh, there it was built on just a bunch of rocks. So we climbed down on the rocks below the lighthouse and um, got some interesting shots looking back towards it, up towards it, and um, just kind of we just kind of climbed around and explored. Then we drove just around, just kind of around the bend to Bandon, and there's a, a the harbor. I don't know what do you, what do you call it? The harbor. There's a boardwalk, the, the pier, and, and everything. The pier, yeah. yeah, all just right along the it water. It was Face front. Rock Creamery. Yes, Face Rock Creamery is yes. where you go. Yeah, super good ice cream. Yeah. So just right along the waterfront, there's a big boardwalk and, and there's shops and everything. That's where that fish market was right, right. there. So we, we walked along that. There's a bunch of um, wooden sculptures of sea animals and things that are along there. And if you walk out there, then you can get a nice view across the river of the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And so we got some cool shots of the lighthouse, kind of the backside of it from yep. over there on the wharf. So that was fun too. Yeah. So each of these have different they have different uh unique things that make them fun to go to. Yeah. Okay, now we're to the last one in Oregon. We're almost down to the south, southern port, part of Oregon and we are at Cape Blanco. So, this is the last of the like you said the nine historic lighthouses and we knew we were going to be getting there too late for the tour because again, we're also stopping to see some other things along the coast. And uh, so we thought when we got there, we thought, well, that's okay. We're going to get there late, but we'll go up and walk around it. But no, as it turned out, the gates to the area also closed at 3.30 p.m. when the tour stopped. So we could only see it from kind of far away. Uh, We couldn't actually walk up to it. The light is uh, 256 feet above sea level, and it's the oldest standing lighthouse on the Oregon coast. It's been in use from 1870 to the present, and it's still a working lighthouse. And it was so windy when we were there, uh, because it's just kind of on this cape, but uh, beautiful views. Where, Where it is, it's kind of a flat area, like it's out on the end of this flat, high, high cliff. Mm -hmm. So we kind of walked around and looked at the views and you can just, the view is expansive, what you can see of the ocean. That was really cool. And the lighthouse was was cool too. Yeah. And uh, I I don't know if this is why, but in, I think it was 1992, some local teenagers broke into the lighthouse after it had been automated and, and not staffed anymore, still in use, but not staffed. And used a sledgehammer to smash some of the lens, some of the lens, and um, I'm just and they you know eventually got them and and uh, they had somebody in Bandon actually repair the lens, but took a significant amount of money and I'm I'm guessing they uh, just need to feel like they need to close it off when <laughs> when there aren't the people there, um, you know, giving tours and that kind of thing. So yeah, the automated beacons save money because you don't have to hire somebody to be there, but then there's not somebody there. So so those are the lighthouses that we went to, nine in Oregon, three in Washington. 
awesome thing that we that was fun to do. Um, had to cross that off of Sue's bucket list. <laughs> and it, it, if you have a chance to go up and down the Oregon-Washington coast, take a few minutes to go to one or more of these lighthouses. Great fun. Lots of interesting things. and Learn some history. Learn some history. Native uh, seafaring history. And... See some great views. Uh, and, and they're all so unique and different. So... Great fun to do. So if you enjoyed this podcast, I hope you go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. We'd greatly appreciate that. And then you can also visit us at allaroundthewest.com or you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. And all those links will be in the show notes or on our, on our website. So I hope you enjoyed this. So that's the end for this episode of our podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. And this is the podcast for allaroundthewest.com. Where's your next adventure?